We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, Check out BlueWirePods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 422. You're all out there in quarantine. I'm going to start today's show by thanking you for listening. Thank you for continuing to listen to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, even though there is not much in the world of baseball going on. Hope you've enjoyed the content that we've been putting out. We're starving for baseball. We're starving for baseball content. Scott, how you doing? Good, man. Doesn't look like we're getting any baseball anytime soon, either. The way things are... Working out, I hope everybody's being safe at home and uh, trying to not 
lose their ever-loving mind like we are. And uh, I think putting out some of this content is actually helping us do that. So, um, yeah, appreciate you listening to us. And <laughs> uh, I know, Andrew, you've been doing these Friday episodes. I had I was able to edit the last one and do some, do some contributions off the audio side, which was cool um, because I've really enjoyed being a listener to those too. They've been really good. So nice, nice work. Well, thank you. Yeah. And uh, if you guys have not had a chance to listen to them, there's now three of them out there. The, the most recent one was about the transition from Buck Showalter to Joe Torre, which there was a lot of twists and turns in that story. As with anything that is involving George Steinbrenner, there's going to be ups and downs and it's a roller coaster ride. Yeah, no doubt. And, and that, I mean, that one was in the headlines so much just because Joe Torre was such a controversial... I was seven years old, though. Huh? Yeah. He was, uh, he was such a controversial uh, hire, though, at that time. The papers oh, yeah, were yeah, just yeah. eviscerating him. And, you know, the fact that, that Steinbrenner went away from the guy that was, uh, you know, I, I, when I was looking back to at some of the, because uh, the, uh, I made the, the artwork or the, the graphic for that, and I was looking back at some old Buck Showalter stuff, I didn't realize that he had met, was all the way up until um, he played with the Columbus Clippers. He was triple A Yankees, yeah. like he came up through the system. For, Did you know he was a Yankee lifer? I did. I did. I don't think I realized that. I think I, I didn't. I definitely didn't realize it. I knew it at some point because when I saw it, I was like, "Oh yeah!" But I had totally forgotten it, and it, you know, maybe uh, it didn't register. I, told, I, I had forgotten. But yeah, he's one of those guys that I think most Yankees fans. I guess it's an era, a generational thing too, because I'm sure, you know, the people older than me knew that, like old hat, no problem. But my generation didn't see him obviously as a ball player ever. So it wasn't really one of those realizations that uh, that you don't put two and two together. I, you know what I came away from doing that episode feeling? I felt bad for Buck Walter. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he did, you, you, you look at what happened right after that and, and the talent that came over as well. Uh, you know, Mattingly was obviously injured or oft injured. He was just not a guy that they could rely on as much anymore. It was unfortunate. And then, uh, you know, having Tino come over in the prime of his career and just, there were a lot of things that added up. Like obviously that next level of, or that next year of talent came through with all of the um, the young players that the Yankees had, and these guys just you know were maturing, and uh, Jeter shows up, and you know it's pretty nice to have pretty nice to have Jeter show up. Not only feel bad with what happened with the Yankees, but what, what with, with what happened with the Diamondbacks too. He had to watch his two ex teams play in the World Series in two thousand one. Yeah, so he just got he he got canned right before each team won a championship. I played a what if game with myself. I didn't. I asked questions at the end of that episode, so I want to ask you: Do the Yankees win the World Series in 1996 with Buckshaw Walter? Um, yeah, I think they do. I think they had some. I think the talent just clicked so well there, and I and I know that Tory gets a lot of credit for the relationships and how he kind of sculpted a lot of those relationships. But I think Buck was in a good place. Um, the the thing is is that I'm not sure a lot of the other changes happened if 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 that move from Showalter to Tory doesn't happen. So I think does he start Derek Jeter on opening day? Effect. Yeah, because that was a move that was a ballsy move Tory made that he was not clearly the clear cut choice to be the opening day shortstop. Yeah, so on, it's it's hard to say if they, if he, they would win the World Series just because there's so many things that have to go right in the decisions that you make. I think clearly that they would have been, you know, a, a contender at that point again. They would have been right there because, I mean, at the end of the day, I, I do think Buck mm-hmm. Showalter is a good baseball manager. I think he's had some things that you could argue he's a better in-game manager than Joe Torre. Joe Torre is not known for his in-game managing. He's known for his no, ability but, to but the thing, really manage personalities, which helps manage in games because I think that's that's one of the key okay. things. But I think it's arguably, especially in 
today's game, I think definitely it's bigger than in-game managing. Well, in, a lot of the in-game managing's taken off, but also so is the relationship managing too. Knowing that your guy, knowing something about your guy, is now not as highly emphasized as it used to be because of an analytic or a number that will just counter what, whatever you're thinking, intuition saying. So, I, I think there's there's different ways to look at that. Yeah, yeah. I think X's and O's. Buck Showalter was probably the 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 better baseball guy, but Tori just had a way of getting the best out of some of the people that he had. And then also knowing, you know, just catching the pulse of, of who they are. Obviously that was one of Buck Showalter's uh, deficiencies. When you look at his, his run with the Orioles, <laughs> I mean, the whole Britain, the whole Britain thing, like keeping him on the bench and not coming out there. You're looking that's at what he's remembered for. That is what he's remembered for. Yeah. That's one of those. I think that he was hopefully going to get the, uh, the Astros job so that he could kind of get that stuff out of people's uh, recent memories and get, something a little bit different. I don't know if he wanted the Astros to be the different thing, but uh, at least it would have been away from, you know, getting Britain out of the, uh, uh, or back in the game, not that, not, or in the game, however you want to look at it. I definitely think that the Yankees would have won a championship, at least, if not multiple with Buckshaw Walter through the rest of the 90s. But I, I don't think they win four out of five championships with Buckshaw Walter. I can't say that they definitely would have because then that is taking 100% of the credit away from Joe Torre, and I think that's unfair. Plus, it's impossible. It's just so much of a... That's such a deep run for any team in any sport that it's mm -hmm. very difficult to say that even if Torre were the manager and they replayed those seasons, that the same thing would happen. Yeah, think about like recent teams that we've seen win championships. When the Cubs won in 2016, we thought the Cubs were going to be a dynasty. Yeah. They had so much young talent. Mm -hmm. They had the right pieces in place as far as everyone respected Joe Madden as a manager. Everyone respected Theo Epstein as a general manager. How could the Cubs not be at least in the World Series multiple times over the next few years? Yeah. And then we've what, what's happened? They've made the playoffs, got bounced. They've missed the playoffs at times. Like It went downhill so fast. It can go downhill so fast. Think about how fast it went downhill for the Kansas City Royals. Well, the Royals had a different scenario, I think, that they didn't have as much high-impact talent as the Cubs had. Cubs had some injuries. But they had that young, They had that nucleus of they, guys who came through the system together. Yes. And I guess what the Cubs had, they had that nucleus of guys, but then they could spend as much money as anyone and sign free agents. But the Cubs still have supplement. those guys, too. Like, that's the thing. I know. It's the, the Royals lost guys to free agency, and, and that got disrupted. But the Cubs still practically have it. I mean, minus their the bad guy that they had at shortstop, but Addison Russell's, I don't know, he's out of the league at this point, I think. I don't know where he's landed. If he's still with the Cubs, is he still with the Cubs? He's just uh, yeah, not I playing? Think he's a, yeah, I, so, but like you think of Rizzo and you think of Bryant and you think of those, that like the yeah, I mean, Addison Russell was definitely a core cog in that, in, that, in that lineup. And then obviously Javi Baez. But yeah, those guys are still there. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's not easy to do what Joe Torre did. I mean, that might sound stupid, but like I've seen some hot takes on on our Facebook comments in in response to the post of the the history episode that yeah. oh Joe Torre's overrated. All he did was plug in the most talented guys, and then anyone could have gone in there and won a championship. I'm not arguing that he didn't have. There were a lot of role players in, in that '96 team. A lot of role players. Yeah, what I was going to say though, you can't argue with the talent that Joe Torre was gifted, and the core of players that. We will never see again in our lifetime. I don't think we're ever going to see that kind of core come together 
all with they weren't the most talented guys, but they were close to the most talented guys, and they all just wanted to fucking win so bad. <laughs> like that is the that is the thing that's rare, I think. Yeah, I don't know. Like when when I see what's happening now or what we saw like 2017, I definitely had that feeling of a similar feeling, of yeah. a similar, you know, core when you're looking at these guys coming up and you have the talent talent-wise, there's no doubt that I think now they have uh, you you could even argue maybe there's an edge with talent wise if these guys all stayed on the field like there there could be an uh, argument there could be an argument the the thing is, is not that, when you start going down the list well you can't do it now because now they've those guys have accomplished too much but I'm talking like you look at '96 and then look at like uh, 2017 and see kind of where they were you know there there definitely could be some comparisons there for sure mm-hmm. but the yeah thing what is, that '96 team we what know that 96, what they did. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't know what these guys are going to do. Right. What that 96 team had was the young talent like in 2017 that had Judge come up and, and, and Sanchez come up and Severino, like that young talent, right? And that's the thing. We Maybe we're thinking about this differently if we don't know what the Astros did. Girardi takes them further, you know, possibly wins the World Series in 2017. Now what? Now what are we looking at? Like, do we actually think that they were really going to get rid of Tori or uh uh, Girardi, if they won the World Series that year, no, there's no way you can fire you a manager after you winning cannot. the World Series. You cannot. I don't do give it. a shit what Brian Cashman says or Steinbrenner says. And Girardi, there's and no Girardi way took them with the talent they had, as young as they were, to a, as far as you could possibly go uh, against a team that knew what was coming. <laughs> you could honestly kind of say Girardi and Buck Showalter have some similarities. Yeah, except in that, their in their except um, that uh, Girardi won his first year. No, second year. Second year, sorry. Yes. Um, but that team was loaded. <laughs> I mean, that team there was, was a lot was of money spent then. Um, what I was going to say, though, about the 96 team versus the 17 team, the young talent might have some similarities in like the core. You could see the core coming up. But that 96 team had so many great veterans yeah. that I don't think the veteran quality on the 17 team was as good as the veteran quality on the on the 96 team. No, but they they definitely tried to add those pieces. When you look at some of the guys that they added, um, you saw the comparisons of what they were trying to do. So the, I, I think it's a very comparable roster when you look at what it, what it was. Similar, it had similar vibes, yeah, I think. Yeah. I think um, so... I had it's this a different it's a different game of baseball now too. Like the game is just played differently, so you see different styles of play, and I mm-hmm. think it's that that makes it difficult to go apples to apples. Um, I we had this conversation after the Yankees lost the seventeen championship series. It's very rare that you can end a season not winning the World Series and still feeling like that was a very fun, accomplished, successful season, and that's what seventeen felt like. Well, yeah, because we were playing with house money. It was a year early, yeah. two years early from when we expected it to be. And it was all driven, I think, a big part of it because they were able to come up the um, the year before the second half of, of you know some of those it was guys. Such were able a fun to team, some, yeah. They were, you were we were, you were rooting for them. They were the underdog. They were not supposed to be there. House money, like you said, coming back that, against Cleveland. It's one of my favorite teams ever to never win a championship. Is the 2017 Yankees? Yeah, it was a fun. It was a fun playoffs. And if you like, if you think about the last two seasons, 18, 19, those teams just didn't have as it wasn't as fun of a ride as 2017 because of the expectation expectation plays a large role in that i mean that's true i'd say that it was still fun a lot of fun no i didn't year. say it wasn't i didn't say it, it wasn't yeah, fun. it's different yes because when you're doing it for the first time uh, with a team that you're you could just see the 
um, you know, the the desire and like the the fact that these guys like they know what they're doing right now. They're playing with house of money. They got nothing to lose. Whereas there's an expectation, there's more of pressure to you know, to win with uh, the 2019 moving into 2020, if it ever happens, 21, whenever. So yeah, there's an expectation now. It's it, now it's World Series or bust. You know, World Series. You spend three hundred and twenty-four million dollars on the best pitcher in the world. A couple of years ago, you brought in a three hundred million dollar trade acquisition in Giancarlo Stanton. You better freaking believe it's World yeah. Series or bust. So when you look at that and you know that that's the case, then it, it becomes more of a you better do this rather than oh my god we're doing this. <laughs> uh, yeah, and so I mean, this which is makes kind the of Astros kind of... thing so much worse. By the way, it really does for for Yankee fans. It makes it so much worse because they were so freaking close with that mm. team that had that had you know nothing to lose. Because what happens if they continue that and they do win the World Series, which I think they were in a very good position. You think that you think they beat the Dodgers? I think they were in a very good position. I think they were. They were in a very. It would have. It would have been a tough series, but I think they were. They were a hot team, and we know what happens with hot teams in in the um, in the playoffs. They were one of those teams that just was couldn't couldn't do no wrong. If they won that game, so they would have been on the road for that too. They would have been four games in in Los Angeles. But they would have. We saw them. They would have done not it. hit. But we saw them not hit the entire playoffs on the road. Yeah, I still think. I just. I think that you know, at that point, you get through everything you do in the American League. On the road as well, because if they won that game, obviously it would have been on the road, game seven. Then they are they would right then just prove that they could do it in a big big moment. So yeah, yeah, they did win game five in Cleveland. Yes, they did. <clears throat> um, they showed some balls in that in that in those playoffs. <laughs> this is the conversations that people are having about baseball and about the Yankees now. Yeah, because there's I mean even the news is not really news. But think about also like if so if they do win the World Series right there. Going into 18, going into 19, different feeling, different type of like, you know, sense of, 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 uh, of the ability to win, obviously, because you just did it. Now, the, now you're well, starting to see the comparisons. So much two, is different. For 1996, like immediately, if that happens. So much is different if they, if they make the World Series in 1996, 2017. in uh, 2017, how do they move on from Girardi? I think it would have been close. It depends what happened, how they do it, but it was... That's a really tough sell. Yeah. Yeah. It was a tough sell. That, but don't forget, really... they still had that, that you know, the, um, the controversy to lean on, if possible. Like, I know they got through it um, with the, the no challenge of the, uh, of the foul tip. Um, yeah. But they still had things. To, they had ammunition in their back pocket that I'm sure they I know, but for. when a manager takes a team that shouldn't have any business being that deep in the playoffs to the World Series... Yeah. Target. It's a results-driven business, yeah. No, <laughs> at least no for doubt. fans, for fans' minds. Absolutely, yeah. It would have been hard to go with a different voice at that point when it, the voice was cr- obviously working. So my question is: Was Brian Cashman actually rooting against the Yankees in the American League Championship no, Series? No, he was not <laughs> rooting against the Yankees. But it would it could have changed like how things have have gone in, in, throughout the system. You know, with the with the coaching changes uh, up and down because there were deep mm-hmm. coaching changes, like very organizational. Uh, you know, organizational philosophy-wise, changing things that happened after that—that that was a big trickle-down effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And then the news that we did get this week is um, so the the about suspensions, which are not going to be carrying over to 2021. That obviously includes AJ Hinch and Jeff Lunau, 
So they're not able to be in baseball in the 2020 season. But if there is no 2020 season, it doesn't matter. They're still going to be reinstated for 2021, which just seems unfair. Just like I think it's unfair that if there's no season, Domingo Herman does not have to serve a game of suspension. I think he should serve his remaining 63 games no matter when the season is played. Yeah, because everybody else is affected. It's uh, if you're on a if you're on a level playing field as far as everybody else is missing the same games, and they shouldn't count towards yours, which are a punishment. Right. Yeah, and it doesn't impact Cora yet, but it'll be interesting to see because we played the clips last week. And essentially, Man- now if you're doing that, if you give him any kind of suspension for the same uh, type of. If you if you suspend you him, can't, for year, you can't suspend him for twenty twenty one. Yeah, but that's that's what you would have, precedent is telling you. That's exactly what you do, or less. How do you possibly? So now no, it's essentially not giving him a suspension, right? Well, he got fired. But the but the thing is, like them waiting is now making them essentially not give him a suspension. So you're telling me that Major League Baseball is not handling this correctly. <laughs> that's exactly. Huh. Yeah, they're not weird. <laughs> Like they're, we're going to wait until we could suspend him for the 2020 season when the 2020 season is no longer a thing. Yeah, it's going to come out that, they're the, that the uh, Major League Baseball cannot have any games in 2020, and then the next day it's going to come out that Alex Cora is suspended. No, it'll be the day before. Season. It'll be the day before. Because they're like, yep, this is what we're doing. And then the day after, every, when everybody realizes they already had that news, they're like, yo, we got to get this out now. Hurry. <clears throat> yeah, and I, I just think it's... Um, I understand that this is all un- unforeseen. This is all uncharted waters. Yeah, we just hurry up. Just take and the language. Decision. The language that Rob Manfred used is that Cora, excuse me, that Lunau and Hinch are reinstated to baseball after the conclusion of the 2020 World Series. So maybe there's just like a uh, a league wide black ball for 21 that everybody just understands. Hmm. Yeah, because it'll probably go on further than that. Honestly, for well, I, th- I don't think Lunau gets back into baseball. I don't if think he, he gets, gets back, back into baseball, baseball, he's never going to be another general manager. He might be some like special, special advisor yeah. to, to some team. Yeah. But I talked about this with Chad Jennings. I fully expect Hinch and Cora to be managing baseball teams in the future. Oh, yeah. I think I absolutely think that Hinch will be back in. Uh, especially, I think he'll be back in way sooner than Luna. I don't think Luna will, will be back in personally. But I don't think it's just why is it worth it knowing what we all know now? How is it worth it? And then when you, baseball guys will come back. If, if, as long as they're able to, baseball guys, baseball guys will come back because they're friends with all the other guys in the league. And that... that yeah, he'll get a bench coaching job yeah. for, for one of his buddies Absolutely. on the Milwaukee Brewers or something or like that. Or a base coach. He'll do that. Yeah. Yeah, he'll do that for three years and then get another shot to manage a team. Yes. And I think, I think Alex Cora will be back sooner than Hinch because Alex Cora it was beloved by the Red Sox players. And I think that goes a long way when you're now hiring a manager is do your players identify with your manager? I just, and I also don't think Alex Cora's reputation is tainted like uh, to the, to the level of AJ Hinch's anyway, for the depends what comes out in this report I mean, yeah. that we're about to see, but, but, but I, I, doubt, I, it's, I, I doubt it's worse than, than what I doubt it's worse. And I, I think he certainly hasn't what, sat out there being like a smug ass uh, like Hinch has. I mean, he said things, but he's always been an outspoken guy. So we kind of expect that from Cora. He's just kind of, he just says what's on his mind. But Hinch was just smug and arrogant mm. all in all of our faces, laughing, laughing. Son of a bitch. We ha- and we, we know that Carlos Beltran got fired from the Mets job, but we don't know if he's going to get any kind of suspension. No, he was, he was a player. So he's not going to. Does he get another manager job? Yeah. 
He does. And he's never managed a team. I know. That's so we're still in the same place. Maybe he what has are we doing to here? He's just like maybe he's it, just like dodged a bullet because the Mets now lost the potential owner. They they he's like, you know, fine. Fine. I'll walk away from the Mets. Fine. Does Carlos Beltran take over for Dusty Baker as the Astros manager? Two I mean, I could see them because they're bad at public relations. Uh but to me it's a horrible look. Horrible look. Uh, Oh, that is a horrible look, but nothing stopped them from no, doing that. That's what I'm saying. Are... Like they're bad at that, so then potentially <laughs> it could happen. Yeah, it's not I think it would be a bad idea for Carlos Beltran and his future also. Hmm. Yeah, but other than the Mets, like what team is he gonna manage? Like he had ties to the Mets. The Yankees aren't gonna hire him. Like what the Royals gonna go manage the Kansas City Royals? Like Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Beloved beloved Kansas City Royal. Um, and, and other quarantine news, uh, other shutdown news is that President Trump had a conference call with all the pro sports commissioners and said he fully expects that the NFL will start on time, but it is not advised by medical experts to have gatherings in arenas until August or September. So if baseball does come back before as of, August as or of September... Now. As of now, these are As all of like now, they, maybe, yeah. maybe then. Maybe we're, we're then. recording. We're recording this. No, I'm Sunday saying like afternoon. Maybe now, in like the in our the world as it, as it currently stands. No, but what I'm saying is, this is Sunday afternoon. On Tuesday morning, we could be like, well, there's no chance August or September. Like things are moving so rapidly that yeah, in a direction that's not looking like that's a possibility. Right. They're saying this is this and next week are going to be the worst two weeks for the um, the curve. Right. We're hitting the apex of the curve this week. Yep. We'll see what happens, man. We'll see what happens. I don't know what's going to happen. It's all, I just kind of waiting, right? It's hard to it's hard to like see any of these people that are looking at what's going to happen and how it's going to stop or when it's going to stop or when we're able to do return back to normal life. What's your confidence level, 1 to 10, 10 being the most, of baseball games being played in 2020? 4. Hmm. Yeah, because I'm I think like a, I think I'm the like only a four or five. I think the only possibility is that if they if they figure out a way to do it in, uh, obviously I don't think fans are coming back, and if they're able to do it in a in a scenario where they can all be around the same area or so, like a, some easy travel way. I, I don't know how that. It's, it's a logistic wrote an article. Nightmare. It's a logistic. Rosenthal nightmare. read an art, uh, wrote an article about that. Um, and he said that it's so the you know how the NBA is doing like they're talking about going to Vegas basically yeah. and quarantining p- uh, players for the playoffs that would be on playoff teams right. and just playing it there can't do that for a baseball regular season where there's 30 teams so one game is 52 players plus coaches plus just training a lot of staff people. I mean when you multiply all the numbers it's thousands of people you can't even like there's not even places to have them to, to like for them to right. to live. So you're going to do Arizona or the Florida League because those stadiums are all close together. Actually, Arizona would probably be the primary. You could spot do it out there, but it's going to be hot as balls. Exactly. No, you know, none of those facilities have domes. Right. Arizona's all one complex, but they play in March, not in July or legit. Or legit. If you're looking it's, at, log- it's 105 degrees outside. You can't do that. If you're looking at logistics, like that's a place. Or you know what they could look at too. Is and if they want to get really creative, they could go out to like some of these um, these tournament fields because there's a lot like Cooperstown has a tournament field and I'm pretty sure they're all full base paths. I think it's a I don't think it's a pony like small uh, diamond. I'm pretty sure it's regular diamond. 
but you go to one of these, some of these playoff, uh, these tournament fields where they have like a whole bunch of fields around there for, for like AAU type things or, you know, like different, different travel ball. Um, theoretically you could do it there. You have a diamond, you have the dimensions. I don't know. The fence dimensions will probably be short. Well, you couldn't do a season for lack of facilities because you need 15 fields to have a season. But they have a ton of fields around these places. The one in Cooperstown has uh, uh, maybe 15 to 20 fields, I think. Hmm. But they're all... Yeah, like, I, th- top, I think you know, at that point... if we're t- it, Yeah, I think if we're down to that point, then we're looking at something like we talked about last week with the WBC-type tournament. It's not a season, it's a tournament. Yeah, but and it's then just, you don't it's need just as to many get fields. a product. It's just to get a product on a field so people can watch and they can make some money. But then you don't need as many fields. So I mean, they could. No, you don't need as many fields. They could that, get. Right? They could get. Uh, they could get. You know, a little crazy. They could go out to Iowa. You know, mow down some more corn fields and just do a whole field of dreams season. What if they find a deserted island somewhere? And it's going to be hot. Quarantine on the island. It's going to be hot. Yeah, I feel like Iowa would be nice. What's <laughs> Iowa like in the middle of the summer? Probably all right, right? probably nice yeah but what if this extends into the fall okay i I don't know what to tell you (laughs) Uh, one one thing i wanted to discuss we're gonna bunch of heaters what the impact of a shortened or potentially lost season is for some of the yankees players because uh you know we signed garrett cole to pitch in his age 29 season what if he doesn't pitch in his age 29 season? He starts with the Yankees in his age 30 season. Yeah, I want to refund. What, what happens with his contract? Is he still is his contract still up at the end of yes. when it would have been? Yes, because everybody, is... everybody else's contracts are staying exactly the way that they were, so his would stay the yeah. same. Yeah, but what I'm saying is there's a lot of things. It's like, okay, well, we just lost a prime year of Garrett Cole. Yeah. Or is his prime extended because he doesn't have all the wear and tear? He doesn't have 230 innings, including playoffs, under his belt. Does it really matter if his prime is extended? Because right now the rest of the team is prime. So I think that when we're looking at where we want him to be at his best, it's right now. So I want another year of right now rather than on the end. Mm, and we're missing that's a good that. point. We're missing that because we have a lot of other guys that are you know stepping into their prime and ready to go as a team. So, yeah, I think it hurts the Yankees, just much like it hurts any team who's ready to go right now. I think any, yeah. any of these con- competitive teams, any of these teams that are ready to compete right now, it hurts them absolutely the most because you're losing a, a prime year from all of those guys. And it, and it really, it hurts teams that maybe were at the end of their window, but like, oh, we might have one more season in us. Yeah. And it really helps teams that are rebuilding. <laughs> For sure. Well, uh, but, but does it? Because at the same time, you're also losing a year of development too. So there's, this is a, I mean, you got to look at up and down up and down baseball, man. Like this is a, 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 a development stunter for all of the minor leagues. College players mm. couldn't even finish their seasons. You look at these guys that just haven't been playing baseball who need to play baseball to get better. How many of these guys that were, you know, fighting for their lives just don't have the opportunity to come back and play again at the same type of um, level and, and lose out on jobs because there's talent behind them that, that, some of these teams want to push forward. You know, there's so many scenarios of trickle down effects that are going to, um, they're going to hit people. And it's just, uh, you know, we don't know what they are, but they're going to play out and they're going to be vast. So I said, the sad, there's well, one sad thing about this entire thing for me, like the most sad thing. Okay. Go ahead. DJ LeMayhew. Like <laughs> yeah. that's a big deal. He's gone. Yeah. If this, well, they could resign they him, could resign him, but the contract is gone. It's over. Yeah, but they could actually end up re-signing him for a bargain. I guess. Maybe. But we're still competing with everybody else now. Yeah. 
And afterward, maybe they're having did. maybe they're having contract talks with him about. Can you have quarantine right extensions? Now. Can we do yeah. that? We could do yeah. that, right? Yeah, they should do that. <laughs> Players would be happy to sign extensions right now. They're they need some cash. I mean, I don't know. If, I don't know if they have a cash flow issue for some of these guys, but. Yeah, you deal with Look, a lot of overhead for some of these players. I, DJ's LeMahieu, I guarantee, is not one of those guys. <laughs> he lives. In, he lives in like a two-bedroom ranch house. Yeah, he's. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean that you you think about that. Like, there's a very, very real potential that if this season doesn't happen, that we never see DJ LeMahieu in a Yankee uniform again, and that's that's depressing. That that would suck. That's depressing. <laughs> that would man. be that would be freaking awful. Yeah. So, I I originally said when we thought this was going to be a month delay. I made the argument that we might see better baseball this season because guys are fresher. But now the longer this goes on, if there's a tournament that starts in August or something like that, we might see dog shit baseball. We're going to see dog shit baseball because they're also no one is fresh. No one has reps. It's going to be ugly. They're still working out. I know these guys are still working out and doing things. You know that you know that's way different than oh, facing sure. live live no, no, no. pitching. I'm not, I'm not saying it is. It's like doing it in the middle of the winter. It's like what they do then. It's like that's what they're doing. They're working out in their own. If they're home, they're they're working out in their own gyms and doing things like that. They're still doing that stuff. Um, but yeah, I'm not talking about guys coming in thirty pounds life. overweight. But I'm I'm talking about being baseball ready, being midseason form ready, you're not going to get that. Oh, hell no. And that's one of the other problems is that they're going to ramp up quicker because they're going to get everybody wants to oh, play real I know, baseball. I know where that's leading. Bad baseball. A lot of strikeouts. Injuries. And a lot of strikeouts. That's why, <laughs> oh, that's why teams like the Rays, those are the ones, like the Rays, the shorter the season gets, the more dangerous the Rays get because they have three of the best pitchers. Dude, I, I can't even say that there's, a, there's no season anymore. I know. That, there's just, not going to be a season. I'm just saying, the shorter it gets, the more dangerous they are. There's going to be a cluster of games. Maybe they'll still do an AL East, you know, different divisions and that kind of thing. But we're going to be talking about 50 games or less. Yes. Um, they should just. But do ramping up faster is a recipe for disaster for a lot of the Yankees. It's going to be injuries, guys pulling muscles. Oh, John Carlos Stanton was trying to ramp up and he hurt his shoulder in batting practice. Like I'm fully expecting that headline. We're going to see it across baseball. It's not just going to be the Yankees. It's going to be all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, and losing prime years of potentially Judge Sanchez Stanton. I guess it helps Severino, right? Doesn't hurt. Doesn't hurt him. He's not doing anything right now. He's just getting better. Paxton though. Paxton, you could see a situation where he he doesn't get the same contract he was going to get because if there is no season this year, well, you're coming off injury now, signing a deal, versus you recovered from your injury and pitched four good months. Yeah. Tanaka's, Tanaka's, a, con- Tanaka's contract is up. We could have potentially already seen the last game of Tanaka. Yep. Yeah. Jay Happ, we could have seen the last of Jay. He's not going to hit his innings. Yeah, what happens if they don't play any season? <laughs> just, yeah, that's I think it. that vesting option is just toast. Or, <laughs> or That's gone. Yeah. Or, I mean, you know. Silver lining in all of this. <laughs> oh, yeah, because he's such a bad fifth starter. God. He was going to be our third starter for the first half of the season. Yeah. It was a good third starter compared to the rest, too. This topic has kind of made you even more depressed. I'm it saying. is. It's making me sad. I don't, it's, not, it's not good. Yeah. It's, the more we talk about this, it's just getting worse for me. It's getting worse when you see the, the amount of players. Honestly, just having LeMahieu, the, the thought that he's not going to be on the team anymore is just very sad. 
it's he's because he's one of one of my favorite in a long time one of my favorite like new guys coming in he was uh he was just came in just like playing every doing everything the right way everything the right way and he's just one of those throwback guys which i just appreciated so much so i hope that that's not a reality but who the hell knows yeah well let's move on to a a different topic a, a topic from the from the past but first a word from bet online With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of sports, events, and games to wager on. Or let them bring Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack. All open 24 hours a day and all online, including their $750,000 poker series. If you're into props and entertaining betting, you could still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the weather. Visit their website and join today to receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Be sure to use promo code BLUEWIRE. Bet online, your online wagering experts. Okay, another topic I had with some people online while I'm just looking for baseball to consume is... Free agents that the Yankees lost who were still in their prime. And what is the fallout? What was the fallout? And what were potentially alternate realities of not signing those players? So I'm not talking about players who were clearly done and just went to another team to hang on. Example being Johnny Damon, right? Johnny Damon was done. The Yankees didn't resign him. No one's upset about that. Right. Players in their prime, because the Yankees don't lose on players in their prime that often. They don't Especially lose. When they're, they, when they're, they their, make when they're their own guys. Yes, they usually make choices. Right. So I came up with a list, and they're all most recent. Um, I, one person argued for Reggie Jackson, but Reggie Jackson was in his late 30s when he left. I'm sorry, he was not in his prime. The first one being, and I think it's the most notable, is Robinson Cano. Left for Seattle 10 years, $240 million. What were the ramifications of Cano leaving? Well, the Yankees had no second baseman. <laughs> we're talking about Stephen Drew and Brian Roberts and Rob Refsnyder at second you better base say for it. a few years. Yep, right. Until they brought in, until they traded for Starling Castro, who wasn't the best player in the world, but shit, at it least was a he's good an deal, above though. average player. It was a good deal at the time, too. We were like, oh, damn. A yeah. little sneaky move by, Ka- by, uh, by Brian Cashman again, going after a guy that had... Because if you remember... He had a um, he Starling Castro had a really bad first half with the Cubs that year, but his second half was like one of the best in baseball. And you're looking at the overall numbers and you're like, eh. But you look at those second half numbers from the Cubs, and you're like, okay, Cashman's Cashman's on the. Uh, but it's also just a player you know. He had made All Star teams and he was still in his mid twenties at the time. It wasn't Brian Roberts or some shitbag player that you're sticking in at second base. Right. But he wasn't as good as Robinson Cano. Right. Um. But I think what what happened because of the so if the Yankees do re-sign Cano in after the 2013 season, I I, I don't think they sign Jacoby Ellsbury. No, they don't sign Jacoby Ellsbury, and they potentially also don't sign Carlos Beltran. I still think they sign Brian McCann to catch, but I don't. I could see them not essentially just giving the money they earmarked for Cano to Ellsbury and Beltran combined. Yeah, well, I think they, you know, with the the fact that they have a, um, you, if you keep Cano in that lineup, you have another, you have that left-handed bat in there. Beltran doesn't become as much of a of a guy. I still think they may go after Beltran, but, um, but definitely you you have Cano. There's no Ellsbury, which is a really positive thing on all fronts, honestly. 
Yes. <laughs> the only negative, and I, you have to stay with me on this, if the Yankees have Robinson Cano in 2014, 15, and 16, they're a better team. Mm-hmm. No argument about that. Are they good enough to where they're not selling at the trade deadline? Yeah, that's one of the things that we don't know about, and maybe not. You know, that, that's a different decision, I think, too, because you, you have that center. You still have that, that piece in Robert Cano, you know, assuming he doesn't get suspended or anything like that as well, and like that, doesn't, that all thing isn't looming over him. You have that, that piece that is a, uh, you know, a guy that you can build around still, like a, a premier player. Uh, and if you have that, then yeah, maybe not. Maybe, maybe they don't go after. Uh, they're, they're probably, you know, Gleyber Torres probably isn't on this team. At that point, because you're probably not going to sell Chapman, um, and then well, yeah, do you even are you even in a position to do you make all those same trades? Do you no? Because I don't do think you, they're. In a, I think they're probably a better team at that point. They're, I mean, they're definitely a better team. I, 2016, they were a bad team. Well, a better team. They're probably in a better position record-wise in that in that point is more what I'm saying. Yes, you could be a better team 2000, and not be as good in the column. So you can argue 2015 when they made the wild card game, they had a really good first 75% of the season, and then their entire team just fell apart because of their age, really. Yeah. But if you stick Cano in the three spot in that order, it, it props up the end of that season. Maybe they don't lose the American League division to the Blue Jays in 2015. Who knows? Maybe they get, make a division series in 2015 instead. But also, okay, so they're a little bit better in 2015. What if they're also a little bit better in 2016 and then... Like you just said, no Glaber Torres, no Clint Frazier, no, no Justice Sheffield, who ends up turning into James Paxton. Like the trickle down effect, you're you're shaking, you're shrugging your shoulders. Yeah, I'm kind of dismissing the other ones because they really haven't been any impact as much of an impact player. Like those players could have been replaced with other players that probably could have made a very similar impact, if not more. My point is, we don't have the same team. We don't have have Glaber. That's the we don't have the team we have right now. No, we don't have Glaber. So there's a lot of what ifs with the Cano signing. Um, another one is David Robertson leaving for Chicago for four years and $46 million. After he left, the bullpen was still really good, but they signed Andrew Miller. And then the year, the year after that, they trade for Araldis Chapman. If they sign David Robertson to a four-year $46 million deal, they're not going to sign Andrew Miller. No, and Andrew Miller was a freaking beast. Better than David Robertson. David Robertson was always just so very solid and so very good, even though you look at some of the uh, – because he got out of so many damn jams, his numbers were a little bit uh, tricky, I think, to look at and to gauge what they were. But when you look at the, the amount of stuff that he got out of, like he was just always so solid. So it's hard to say – I mean, Miller came in and, and just pitched unbelievably, and he was just so dominant against everybody, but especially left-handed pitching or uh, batting. Um, Robertson was just a – an extremely, extremely reliable guy against everybody in big moments. Yeah. So, I I mean, the bullpen arguably got better after Robertson left, but a lot of things don't happen. You might not, you're not going to sign Miller, so you're not going to trade Miller. You might not trade for Chapman, so you're not going to trade Chapman. Again, no Glaber Torres. (laughs) No Glaber Torres. That's the big thing. Um, Tino Martinez leaves for St. Louis after the 2001 season for three years and $21 million. The Yankees signed Jason Giambi to a huge contract. It was really a reaction to the fact that the Yankees offense failed them in 2001. Yeah. They, a lot of guys, you could see it. They were getting old. Okay. We need some lifeblood into this lineup. Who's the best hitter on the free agent market. Boom. Jason Giambi. Yeah, that was a big deal. And 
you're right. The trickle down effect was interesting. I mean, Giambi was a mon- I I love Giambi as a Yankee though. I mean, so it was hard to say. The the funny thing is, is when you look I mean, at he had his he had his big moments, but he also had his steroid issues and his injuries. Yes, he was just complete non factor for some of the years, just not on the field. Right, and when you look at but you when you look at how the uh, first baseman changed the the changing of the guard for the first baseman, it's, it is interesting because Don Mattingly essentially retired afterwards. He, whether he retired early. Who knows? You know, he could have played. I think if they, they didn't sign Tino, he, he would have played um, the, the following year. But I think injuries eventually got to him. He just said it wasn't worth it. The, but Tino, so you go from, from Mattingly to Tino, which was just unbelievably controversial. And the fact that Tino had just beaten us with, with, as a, a, a member of the Mariners, Don Mattingly was the captain of the freaking team, got booted by Tino coming in. You know, Tino was, was definitely hated in the very beginning because of that like he also struggled and struggled in the very beginning i mean probably because the amount of pressure on him coming from the situation that happened unbelievable similar to the way Didi struggled when he immediately it's a different scenario though because of the of the way that you know that he was introduced and the situation he came from before Didi was traded from you know no man's land in arizona whereas tino literally Tino was a better player when the Yankees acquired him, then Didi was. Tino ended Don Mattingly's career <laughs> the year before and taking over his position as a Yankee. I mean, that's abrupt. That is freaking, that's pretty, pretty stark contrast right there. That's, Ooh, did I, did we just stumble upon a, a history episode? That's a big thing. I mean, that, I mean, it was kind of alluded to in some of the, some of the Buck Showalter Steinbrenner yeah. quotes because Mattingly was right there tied to all that. Like, did yeah. they bring him back? Were they going to bring him back? You you see what the the uh, the end of some of the g- very good Yankees at the end of their careers you see problems with the front office. We saw it with with Don Mattingly, obviously. You saw it with Bernie. You saw it with Jeter. Like it it does happen. There's they don't want to pay them at the end. They don't want. But to pay Mattingly them. Mattingly was also dealing with all the injuries. Mattingly so I think had if, a, 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 some some bad injuries, yes, and that's what derailed. You no, know, no, I think Mattingly. I think they came to an understanding like it's over, Mattingly. It's over. Maybe could have had one more year, possibly. But yes, they made that trade when they saw the opportunity to get Tino. I think, then yeah, yeah. Then it became a lot more clear. I mean, Tino Martinez might be Troy Tulowitzki, though. You know, you never know. Minus the injuries so with Jeter and Mattingly. Tino, Tino, and then after Tino leaves, Tino had an unbelievable run. One of the most beloved Yankees of of that era. Yes. Then they signed Jason Giambi, right. but then he has so many complications. Then there's sort of like a mishmash of first baseman in 2007, 2008. And then you get Mark Teixeira. Right. It was. I mean, but you go from those are those are those are all very very solid for. And then since then, nothing. But what if you? <laughs> so they don't sign Jason Giambi for 2002. Yeah. And they re-signed Tino to a couple-year deal. And what if their plan then is, okay, Tino, you're going to be our first baseman for the next couple years. You're going to pass the guard to Nick Johnson, a young prospect who has made his debut in the end of the 2001 season. Mm-hmm. We're going to then make Nick Johnson our next first baseman. Maybe that goes to shit because he's... I mean, he had a couple good years in um, th- with the Nationals, but... Not, not the type of years that he was expected to have with the Yankees, no. though. 
So I no. think it's a similar situation to what we all thought Greg Bird was going to be the first baseman. Like that was the plan. That was what was. But Nick Johnson to was better than Greg Bird because he actually he played despite but, all the injuries. But in played. the beginning, he also had a ton of injuries and just didn't live up to be the guy. They're not that far off. Who knows what Greg Bird does for the rest of his career? I mean, he may surface to be a, a, a Nick Johnson type guy. Who knows? Nick Johnson, I think, was a different type of hitter also. But the um, but when you look at the if you're talking about the plan and like you know here's the guy that's going to take over, it's not that far off. You know, to what mm-hmm. Greg Bird was going to be. The years were a no, little Nick, different. Nick Johnson was one of their best prospects in that. Yeah, time. no, I mean, for coming after Teixeira, like after Giambi, it would have been, or I'm sorry, after Tino, it would have been Nick Johnson. After Teixeira, they're looking at Greg Bird in the minor leagues. Mm-hmm. Didn't work. Yeah, and if and if the if the Yankees don't, if the Yankees don't sign Giambi and their plan, I think their plan, the most likely plan, was Tino to Nick Johnson. That means they don't trade Nick Johnson after the 2003 season for Javier Vasquez. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, a lot of a lot of trickle down. So the biggest the biggest mistake that the Yankees have ever made in free agency is letting Andy Pettit leave for Houston. I I, I don't think any, I don't think you can argue that it was a sad. He, day. Leaves, he leaves for Houston after the 2003 season for a three year, thirty one point five million dollar contract. Yeah, the Yankees originally lowballed him and also had concerns with his elbow. So I do think there was some stipulations in the contract that they offered about his elbow. But they upped their offer at the very end to a $39 million deal. So more money than he ended up signing in Houston. But he wanted to go home. Part of the reason he said he went to Houston was because he wanted to spend more time with his family. Sure. That offseason, the 03 to 04 offseason, the Yankees rotation was decimated. They were a great rotation in 2003. They lose Andy Pettit, Roger Clemens, and David Wells in the same offseason. And the next year, they come back with Mike Messina, who is not the same pitcher anymore, and John Lieber, and Javier Vasquez, and Jeff Weaver. It's like, are you friggin' kidding me? Kevin Brown. They make a trade for Kevin Brown. The, the trickle-down effect of not bringing Andy Pettit back I think directly correlates to them blowing a 3-0 lead against the Red Sox. And I think if you have Andy Pettit for one of those games, four, five, six, or seven, you do not blow that series. I mean, it's it's really, it's hard to argue against that because of how, how he was in the playoffs. I mean, he was nails. And, you know, who's to say that um, he doesn't come in and just shut them down and that's it? Because I think that's a very real possibility. Especially, you know, you're you're you're, you're coming in there with a, a big game pitcher, big big moments, shutting it down. You know, maybe he picks off Dave Roberts in a moment. You know, maybe maybe he's <laughs> maybe he's coming into the game. You know, maybe maybe there's something there. Maybe we see the the patented. Uh, you know, he's only he comes in for an inning or two. Maybe we see something like that. But like, okay, you go back home up still three two in that series, and instead of John Lieber starting game six. Andy Pettit starting game six or instead of Kevin Brown starting game seven, Andy Pettit is starting game seven. Yeah. I'll take my chances. Yeah. So I'm looking at, here's what I was going to argue against. Uh, Cause 2004, he was injured. He only pitched, he only p- played pitched and uh, started 15 games. Mm-hmm. So he was actually probably not available at the end with Houston and, or he would not have been available because he got injured. Does he get injured? With the Yankees, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? And then he and was then, really good in 05 and 06, but <clears throat> and we know why. Yes, because Roger Clemens came back. <laughs> <laughs> he 
he had uh, he got his buddy Roger, who had the hookup, Brian to Ma- unretire. Brian was that his name? Yeah. But if the Yankees re-sign Pettit and whatever happens in 04 happens with Pettit, but do they end up acquiring Randy Johnson? I don't think so. Probably not. Probably not. So, I, Unless he's just, injured and then, yeah, they, they make a move. I just think it's a real big... Well, when was the injury in 2004 for Pettit? You want to keep talking about it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, so I, I just think that when you... I know there were concerns with Pettit's elbow and I don't know... Maybe the Yankees would have offered Andy Pettit a six-year contract, and he's still going to say no because he wanted to sign in Houston. But I just don't think that's the case. They originally lowballed him, and it's just probably rubbed him the wrong way. The wrong way. If they come in and offer him what he should have gotten, which is forty plus million dollars, or offer him a fourth year, offer him fifty-five million dollars, he's not going to say no to that. And I think that's what they should have done after the 2003 season. That's how I felt at the time. That's how every Yankee fan felt at the time. So Andy Pettit in 2004, um, uh, he was put on the 15-day disabled list for the third time of the season after tearing a flexor tendon and having Tommy John surgery. Or it was, a, no, I'm sorry. It wasn't Tommy yeah, John. I was going to say, he did It wasn't Tommy, Tommy John. John. It was uh, James Andrews who did the surgery. I just okay. saw his name. And when thought, when and was the surgery in my head? It was when in was August. The surgery but that, again, that was his third time on the DL. Okay, so you know, I didn't know that. <laughs> and so the Yankees had a probably very good reason why the elbow wasn't structurally sound. Uh, this this is backfiring. <laughs> <laughs> I still think it's a mistake, though. I, maybe, but they obviously had some. Can we get back the doctor who saw the medicals <laughs> in two thousand three? And looked at the MRI and the x-rays and whatever they did and identified this. Can we get that guy back on the staff, please? Because he obviously can look at these pictures and know what he's talking but about. But do the injuries happen the same time? Do the Yankees say, listen, man. Maybe we go we back know. to old technology in 2003 MRI machines. Sorry. But what if the Yankees say, Pettit, we're going to sign you, but your elbow is jacked up right now. You need surgery. Get the surgery done in the offseason. Get it done in December and be back ready to go in July. And pitch us, pitch for us in the second. So half I'm saying, of the season. maybe he comes in for two innings and picks off Dave Roberts. You know, yeah. Could have so <laughs> I'm sticking with my my initial assessment. I like it because anything that anything that that takes the uh, the Red Sox out of that game <laughs> takes out of that, that sting series, away. Yes. And then this year we had Dellen and Didi both leave for free agency. I, I don't. know. I'm still calling those guys in their prime. Didi definitely is one of the guys. I mean, I think the injuries with Batantis are make it more difficult, but because um, he's certainly age-wise in his prime. But Didi definitely is right there. I mean, he was coming off of an injury, but it wasn't like a an age. It wasn't. It's not like he's injury prone. He's not like that. He's not that guy. Uh, I think it's probably just it took him longer to get back and and uh, and just feel right. Uh, but I definitely say Didi was definitely one of those, especially the way he came in after Jeter and how he how beloved he was. Certainly is is on this converse, is on this uh, as a standalone. You know, when we look back in ten years, we may see Didi Gregorius being, you know, an, making an, uh, two to three All Star games as a Philly. Who knows um, if he resigns with the Phillies? Again. He, might, he, he may, might never play he a may game come for back Philly. To the Yankees, for all we know, <laughs> <laughs> Dellen may never pitch for the Mets. Didi may never play for the Phillies with the way things are going. Yeah, there's a bizarro world that that Lemayhu doesn't get resigned. Didi comes back. Glaber slides back over to second base. Didi's our shortstop. Okay, so my question is, which one could you take back and redo? Um, the, I mean, the Cano thing is the most obvious one, but it's, it's just a matter... Cano took less money. 
in the in the in the grant he took more i'm sorry no more, he, he took more he took total value AAV. yeah but he the yankees offered him 175 million dollars the mariners offered him 240 yes. million dollars i understand that cano took the more money there's no doubt about it and that's why he went i mean it's very difficult to say that you don't go he he hurt his legacy he ruined his legacy for taking that money so when i see what he did i feel like the money i don't know as a fan i look at that and it, it doesn't you know it, I'm like, okay, fine. You left for the money, but guess what? You've ruined everything that we, you had. All the good, all the good things that you had, you ruined it. So it's very difficult for me to say that because he made that decision. He did it himself. He made the decision. So he he had good years with the Mariners. So when you're looking he, at this on paper, the answer is Robinson Cano. I think, as far as like impact guys and, and where they were. He got suspended. He got suspended in 2018. Okay. So as my computer is loading because we're trying to talk and I'm trying to load things at the same time and it is slow. Anyway, so from from 2014 through 2017, he put up (laughs) – this is loading so slow. He made three all-star teams. He finished in the top 10 in MVP twice. And he, uh, I'm trying to get his averages over that I got time, it. and it's just, I'm gonna look it's it just up. loading slowly. I got internet but, here with some speed. Uh, I'm trying to, what my point is going to be is that the player he was in Seattle, the offensive player he was in Seattle, which was good, he would have been an even better offensive player in uh, 128 OPS plus over that time. He averaged uh, 34 doubles and 24 home runs in those seasons with the Mariners. And his batting line was 295, 351, 472. I think you can argue that instead of a 24 home run hitter, he's a 30 to 35 home run hitter at Yankee Stadium in those years. Yeah, maybe. I mean, he hit in 2016, he hit 39 home runs. <laughs> That's insane. In 2016? Yeah. Yeah, and then, and then, and then he got popped. Two, and then in 2018, he got popped for roids. So, yeah. Oh man, yeah. See, he. Uh, but the before you're, you're looking at the numbers before that, and they were definitely down those first two years over there. He's like, "Why are my numbers so down when I came over here? I got to do something about that." Hey, Poppy. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Hey, Poppy, it's I weird. Know I got your. I got the chops on my face. And I look like you now. Give me your guy too. It's weird that my 317 foot fly balls to right field are now outs and not three <laughs> rows deep. Yeah. Got to hit the weight room a little bit. Got to muscle up. Yeah. Okay, I'm still taking back Pettit despite all the injury stuff we just talked about. Okay. I mean, yeah. Because, again, if you sign Robinson Cano, you might not have Glaber Torres on this team. Andy Pettit signing has nothing to do with Glaber Torres now. Yeah, it's possible. I think when you're looking at best players, just Cano is definitely the best player. And maybe because well, of, yes, because of the fact that those, those, those home run totals don't go up, uh, or they do go up in those two years, that maybe he doesn't feel like he needs the, the extra little bump. You know, to get it to get the ball over anymore, and maybe he doesn't get popped for steroids. Yeah, Robinson Cano. Before so now we're the talking about Robbie scandal. Cano in 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 2017 with the team that we have without Glaber, but we have Robbie Cano. Maybe that puts us over the edge. But are you signing him to a 10 year deal, or are you saying, "Oh, I just wish he would have signed that seven year deal we offered him"? Because I, I don't know if I'm signing him for 10 years. Yeah, fine. Sign knowing what 10, I know I now, I don't care. but that's the thing. Knowing what you know now, maybe some things change in Seattle. Yeah, I mean there yeah, was and smoke. Uh, and there honestly, was smoke before before that happened, though. When in New York, there was smoke. 
there were there was definitely things that were that were being said about Cano before even that happened. So uh, there's there's a possibility that people knew things. Yeah, I know. But do you care about steroids? No, anymore? but I'm saying the suspension could have happened. I'm saying there was smoke for that reason. Mm. No, I'm not talking yeah. about like what, whatever you think about steroids or not. So let us know what you guys think about that. If you liked that exercise, maybe there's another topic we can do. We can, maybe we can do it for trades uh, next week. But uh, before we get to a couple mailbag questions, just to thank you to someone by the name of Tony, not Trevor, for giving us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. That is what he wrote as his name. So I don't know. Maybe people call him Trevor. No, much. I think you probably, he probably wrote it in a mailbag and you probably just butchered his name. That's what I'm guessing. <laughs> That's actually a good point. <laughs> um, all right. First question. Rudy G., Hey, fellas, we all miss baseball, but what if all the players, staff, and fans wore masks and were required to have a temperature taken before entering any stadium? My wife is an RN, and she thinks we won't be back to normal until sometime in the fall. So based on the MLB-MLBPA agreement, we would not see any games in 2020. Personally, I would rock a Yankee logo or BP crew, which uh, we have an update on that, face mask, and risk getting exposed to save part of the 2020 season. The league could even make face masks part of the uniform and get sponsors. Imagine Cole starting from the mound with ninja-like N95 mask on. God, <laughs> I don't want to talk about this as a reality. I really don't. No, it's just... Guys wear face masks when it's too cold out. No, I know. It's, it's more the, the whole preventative care, like getting people into a stadium with masks and taking their temperature and like, oh my God, what are, what are we, what's happening here? No, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. None of that is worth it. So you don't do it. Nobody would do it. There's way too much liability in, in that. Um, I think that it's not going to happen. I just don't think it's going to happen. I agree. What if, um, what if we found out that the only way to, for baseball players to sterilize their hands or to piss all over them, like Vlad Guerrero and Jorge Posada used to do? They'll get, have a good grip on the ball. Yeah. Maybe, get, maybe get those calluses up. <laughs> maybe that's the substance that they allow out on the mound instead of pine tar. You could just have like a jar of piss. <laughs> oh God! You went with jar. I was thinking guys would whip it out and piss on their hands. Maybe you just have like, like a um, what are they called? The the camel a uh, camelback of piss. Camelback full a of camelback piss. Camelback full of piss. It's like the left the left straw is the piss and the right straw. Yeah, you is just water. like use a little nipple to like squirt some piss on your hand, wipe it up, get get a nice little grip on the ball, go to town. Mm, boy, can you get? coronavirus by putting piss on your hands and then throwing a ball to somebody possibly you're in sterile so i think it sterilizes it oh well there you go maybe that's the answer uh the next one's from anthony he wants to complain about mlb tv want to know what you guys think mlb tv should do to their subscribers this season if it is shortened definitely will be or canceled altogether looking more and more likely i don't think it's fair to charge full cost from previous seasons if it's a short year or even if they play more doubleheaders to make up time. Um, he writes on and on and on, but also says, I don't care about watching full season recaps from, from previous years, which MLB has so generously donated to all subscribers. Like, you can go back and watch games from last year. Yeah. Well, thanks. <laughs> thanks. That's what I'm going to do. Look, I don't know. I don't even know. Did they charge everybody already for, for this? Yes. I haven't even looked. Yeah, I, I have MLB TV. I've been a subscriber since 2007. Yeah, mine just goes automatically. And like it's automatically, it charges in like February or March. All right. Yeah, I don't know what they're going to do about that. Knowing what MLB and MBAM has done in the past, probably not going to see anything. They'll probably just use it as a credit moving forward. If we're lucky, maybe. 
Oh, definitely not refunds. It might be a credit for next. That's season. what I'm talking about. Maybe, I, and I would that would surprise me honestly the way that they. Yeah, they're probably going to be like, oh, you can, you know, you could have watched you, all of the other recaps. You could have done this. You could have. Oh no! Oh, they'll be like, oh, you get a free year subscription to uh, the MLB app. Oh no, because you get that the app bat app anyway with the subscription. So yeah, they'll uh, yeah they could come up with some oh no bullshit. instead of five devices you can watch on ten devices. Right, they'll come up with some bullshit value add and then just say that that's what what we're going towards yeah, yeah i yeah, i fully expect them to do the wrong thing so um i don't expect them to do the right thing you know whatever although the te- upping devices they're not going to do that because then in theory people could cancel and then just share accounts so no they're not going to do that yeah i no i mean that's never been a problem though i've never had a problem with that you've had a problem with that not MLB. I've had a problem with that for NFL. You have X amount, but MLB never. You have five accounts. You have five uh, um, five devices on MLB. Oh, really? You don't have the problem because you probably don't give it out to many people. But um, I have it on. It's five devices logged in at the same time. No, no. It's like you set up the account on your Fire Stick, your oh, I see phone, what you're your iPad, your computer, and your whatever else there is. Um, the, those are the five I'm, I, I'm at like four because I, I do my, my, uh, are you my sure that's police? Because I definitely have it on my television downstairs. I have it on my computer. I have it on my phone and then my little brother has it. Both my brothers have it. My sister has it. It's at least three. So people. then may, there's at okay, least four so, people that have, so then it must be if you're using it at the same time, maybe. Because I've had that problem. I thought, with like it was, HBO. I thought it was logged in because when I set it up on my Fire Stick, I, I saw it was like a notification like this is device four out of five or something like that. Yeah, I don't know, but I I know that there are multiple people in my family that use it. So, I mean, I still use it. I still get the subscription renewed because I mean, obviously, I don't have a use for it here, but I like having it on my phone, and um, my my dad uses it. Yeah. I hope they don't ever get rid of that because that's the beauty. You can share it with your family. God forbid. I'll, I'll um, read the next one for you. Okay. Uh, this one is from David Brian Kavanaugh Gilfoyle. Uh, he posted it in our Facebook group. He said, here is, the, here is my question as I sit here and watch game four of the 2001 World Series. Why hasn't Paul O'Neill's number 21 been retired yet? No one has worn it since Latroy Hawkins attempted to do so in 2008 and got booed for it. Was just wondering what everybody's thoughts are. Yeah, this is like a one of those unofficially retired numbers where no one's worn it since 2001. Okay, so 20 years, no one's worn number 21. But it's not going. It's never going to go up. If it hasn't gone up yet, they're not going to retire it. So then give it out. Give it out to somebody. Like I don't know what they're doing. You know they they have so many other like little. Uh, they have so many other things they're doing in Monument Park where their people are out there, but they're not retired. Yeah. Paul O'Neill has a plaque. Yeah. So I think that's, doesn't that, you could, you could have a plaque out there and then just have the number, no number retired. It's not technically retired, but it's, it's, you're out there with the plaque. So it's like understood that we're just not going to give it out anymore. Yeah. I feel like that, I think the was, Yankees the, that went, was kind of the, uh, the, in, the initial like, okay, we're not giving it out. Cause he's out there. Yeah. The Yankees went over. Like he's not the out there, out there, but he's out there. The Yankees was yeah, and so does doesn't Tino have a plaque? I think oh, there are a lot of people from the '90s now that do. Yeah, Bernie has a Bernie plaque. Bernie has a plaque. Uh, at least Bernie was with the organization the whole time, so so I can get down with that. Like O'Neill was a great Yankee, a beloved Yankee, still is. But he still also involved. spent he also spent 
half of his career in Cincinnati. <laughs> it's like, so, um, no, I don't think you should, but, but here's, okay, here's my question. Why does it have to be retired? Why can't they just like have it as an honorary? We're not going to use it anymore because we know of what Paul because the, I think that's, I think that's, and the Yankees are, running I mean, that's what they are. That's what they are doing. Yeah. Okay. You're not going to give it to LaTroy Hawkins because it's LaTroy Hawkins and he's here for a year or two. Fine. What if Garrett Cole's number was 21 always? He would and get, you he signed would Garrett it. Cole. He would wear it. Okay. And it so would have the blessing of Paul O'Neill. Right. So it's that kind of level. I think so. Right? I think so. Like if Glaber at some point was like, I, I want to wear 21. And like, and he was establishing himself and, and he's like, I, this is what I want to do. He would probably work out. You would just like get the blessing of Paul O'Neill and wear 21. I think that would happen too. I think that. So could, Paul O'Neill has to give his blessing? I think so. I think it would be the right thing to do as the player to go to that person if indeed they truly felt that they wanted to wear it. This is so ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to get the blessing. It's just a. No, I mean, it's just the opportunity. It's the opportunity for O'Neill to give the blessing because if he doesn't, maybe they'll still do it anyway. Uh, okay, what was Mattingly's number? I don't know. 23. 20, 23. Okay. Son of a bitch. Is it retired? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. I don't know. I'm not a Mattingly guy. I was seven when he retired. Yes. Why did I think it was 24? I don't know. Tino's 24. You think Tino's going to wear Don Mattingly's number that they can come after? Those are some extra balls right there. I'm going to take legitimately your, I'm, I'm going to take your job. I'm going to knock your, I'm going to knock you out of the playoffs in your last chance to get to uh, the world series in your career. You're the captain of the, Yankees, and I'm going to come in and take your number. No. Um, I loved Paul O'Neill. He was my favorite player. All time favorite Yankee is Paul O'Neill. Honestly. But I don't think he should have his number retired because I think you have to make it special. If you retire too many numbers, it's not special. Right. And, but that's, there's a gray area now what they're doing with Monument Park that is making it kind of like that because some people don't even know who's retired and who's just out there to be out there. Right. And that makes yeah, it and like I, I So Paul O'Neill has a plaque. Bernie Williams has a plaque. I don't know if they even deserve their own plaques. They certainly deserve to be honored that team deserves to be honored. Those core players, you know, you got the core four, but you also have Bernie. Who should, who should Polo- be part of that. The, the whole core four is a Steiner sports thing, by the way. Like, oh, no, it's all- right. And, and I think Bernie got screwed on that. But at the same time, Paul O'Neill was as big a part of those championships as anyone. For sure. He added so, a, a very, very needed dynamic to that team. Yeah. So, like, you honor that team. You honor those players who were on all of those championship rosters. You honor them with a with a plaque, but you don't individually honor them. Derek Jeter, obviously, number retired. Mariano Rivera, number retired. Those are generational players. Much as I love Paul O'Neill, he's not a generational player. No. Neither is Bernie Williams, frankly. He's or Tino Martinez. But Bernie Williams or, also came up with the organization and was here throughout the whole time, wore glasses. Got to give respect for that. You know, there's, <laughs> there's, 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 uh, there's other factors, I think, with Bernie. Bernie just got screwed completely at the end of his career. Yeah. Yeah. The Yankees were in a situation when he finished in 06 where they're just like, we need to win. And we're just moving on from anyone who's not at the top of their game right now. We're going to go, we're going to go bring in whoever. Like Bernie was 06 that he left and he never played again. Somewhat automatically. I mean, there were, you know, there were, there were some breakdown issues, but Mattingly's were, were much more documented. They were more serious. Bernie Williams, uh, as I Google again, and my computer. Why don't you just, just tell me to Google it? Freeze up. Well, I just want to know what Bernie Williams' numbers were at the end. All right, I'm looking. Because I remember him being pretty damn bad in 2006. Like he fell off a cliff. 
Okay. So 2006, he had a 96 OPS plus below league average. He was actually better than he was in 2005, surprisingly. 2005, he was really bad. He had an 85 OPS plus, 249 batting average, 321 batting uh, on base percentage. Just not good in 2005. 2004, he was the last year he was above league average. He had unbelievable prime years. 2002 was his last really good year. 1995, okay? 2002 was his last really good year. Yes, he had a 141 OPS plus. 1995 through 2002. Unbelievable. In that span. Unbelievable. 142 OPS plus, which is fantastic. 321 batting average, 406 on base percentage, 531 slugging percentage. He averaged 32 doubles, 24 home runs, uh, 102 RBIs. Uh, he um, how he's not involved. Forty two percent above league average in those years. Multiple MVP uh, finishes. Multiple All Stars. Gold Glove. He had noodle arm, but it doesn't matter. It makes it absolutely makes zero sense that he was not involved in like this core four thing. It's so crazy. I mean, he was their best all around player yeah. in the late nineties. Right. Even he, uh, Derek Jeter. I think nineteen ninety nine was the year that he eclipsed. I don't know, Bernie Williams, 1999, 149 OPS plus, 342 batting average, 25 homers. I'm still taking Bernie over Jeter in that year as far as all-around player. Although Jeter did finish higher in the MVP voting that year. Defensively, Bernie was uh, was a good center fielder, too. What is defensive? Do they actually have defensive? Probably got to go to Fangrass. You got any of your nerd stats back then? So, yeah, the defensive metrics, I don't know if they go back that far. So Derek Jeter in 1999 finished sixth in MVP voting, and Bernie Williams finished 11th. Derek Jeter had an eight-war season. So, okay, Derek Jeter was their best all-around player, but he gets extra defensive war for playing shortstop. 349 batting average, 438 on base. Holy shit, Derek Jeter had a 438 on base percentage. Okay. (laughs) Keep walking things back. (laughs) And a higher OPS. Derek Jeter was better in 2000. But they were both fantastic. They were both freaking unbelievable. Yeah, but um, the fact that Bernie was was really just disrespected in the the way that he was because of the the fact that um, the Fab Five had been taken and they had to narrow it down to four for marketing reasons was just absolutely disrespectful. Because he was so good in that whole and throughout all of those years. So I'm not going to say he's a generational player. He's damn close, like Derek man. Jeter, but he's very close. Yeah, very close. And um, yeah, it is a shame that it ended the way it did. He did fall off a cliff, but... And he's a, and he's a, a lifetime Yankee. Right. Which makes a difference for the Yankees. No, no, no. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve to have his number retired. I'm saying that... Um, I think people forget how good Bernie really was, honestly. I, I, I know a lot of people don't, but I think... History overlooks Bernie Williams, unfortunately. Switch, switch hitter. Yeah. You just plug him in number three or four in the batting order. And but do you agree with you that? Like, n- history, I feel like, doesn't look as uh, as well on, on Bernie as the other guys. And maybe that's because of marketing and because of, like, all the fanfare other people have gotten. And he was a quiet, more quiet guy. Did have a little bit of a, a quiet ending with the Yankees where he just kind of didn't retire, but he just, just didn't faded, play anymore. It just, he just, it just faded like, away. It just, like, stopped. Yeah. Yeah. It was a weird ending. Um, 
So I think oh, I definitely, I definitely agree. And with he was that. a soft-spoken he, guy. Like he didn't, he never really spoke up. Like he was just, he was the Lemayhu of that team essentially. But if you're ranking like those players as far as overall career, talent, overall career, no, not overall talent, a career accomplishments. Bernie it Williams goes Mariano, right Mariano one, Jeter two, Bernie Williams three. Yeah. Better than Posada. Better than Pettit. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so and he was, I, I and mean, he was nails in the playoffs. Uh, doesn't he hold the? He holds some record for something in the playoffs. Those, I mean, but like oh, so many guys hold records because <laughs> of volume. Yeah. All right, let's go. Let's get back to out of left field. We haven't done it in a little while. And that out, and Sanchez destroys that to left field. There it goes, deep to left, really deep in the air to left field. Back at the track at the wall. I pissed on a public building. Yeah. It's out of left field slash the quarantine corner slash who the hell knows what's going on. I don't know about you. I'm drinking way too much in quarantine. Yeah. You could, there's no real limits at this point. Like as far as, um, every day is just a day. It's not a weekend. It's not a weekday. It's just another day. The timing, the time frames are off too. I think that's what I mean. Like, I don't think anybody's frowning upon, you know, a beer at 11 o'clock in the morning. Oh, no, I'm not saying I'm having beers at 11 o'clock in the morning. No, but that's, I wouldn't, if somebody were to, um, you know, go get a beer at 11 o'clock in the morning, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would not judge you. Well, what about during a work day? Yeah, I wouldn't judge you. <laughs> um, usually I would, when, when life was normal, I would not drink Monday through on school nights, essentially. I wouldn't drink on school nights. Right. I would. Yeah, I drink, I, I mean, I, I drink. Uh, but you've always worked from home because like. It's, it, I'm at the point in my, I'm, I'm at the age where you have two beers mm -hmm. and it's like, you wake up and you're like, eh, what did I do last night? Oh, I had two beers. What the hell? Yeah. So she's like, I don't want to do that on a Tuesday morning. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, when you become a professional though, and, and you're just doing it on a more regular basis, it doesn't really affect you. <laughs> no, so, it's affecting me now. I've been doing it every day. I think I've I'm drank saying almost a, every like, day yeah, in quarantine. I, I, at the end of the days, I, you know, I'll drink it. I'll have a drink. I don't need to have a second drink, but I'll have a drink just to like chill out. Like it's just part of a routine. It's not like a, I don't ever drink to get drunk anymore. Like I can't even remember the last time I've been drunk. Really? At a baseball I mean, game. At a baseball game, probably. Let's be honest. But uh, <laughs> you piss on a you piss on a building. It's on it's on tape. That has nothing. To, I would have been completely sober and pissed on that building, along with no. The but what I'm saying is, the last building. time you drank to get drunk was that night. Fine. <laughs> the yeah, the Yankees have a problem. <laughs> Did you drink to get drunk at my wedding? They need. Uh, no. No, I didn't. I don't. I think we. I don't, I'm trying to remember what what time we left. We, I mean, I drank for certainly, but we were. Um, Did you hear my speech at the end? Yeah, I don't remember what. It was. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, no, I heard it. I took a, a recording of it. I put it on Twitter. You did? Yeah, a small one. You knew that. You, talk, you saw it. I showed. No, it you. you put a small recording of the first dance. I didn't. Oh know yeah, you that's what a, it was. It was the dance. It wasn't the speech. Uh no, yeah, no, um, because we got our wedding video. Yeah. So, uh, but we also got the, like the raw footage. So we went back and like looked at like the speech at the end, like what Leanne and I said. Right. I think Leanne was a little bit more tipsy than I was, so. Yeah, I She's, don't remember what you said. I don't remember, I don't remember what happened three days ago. So I certainly don't remember <laughs> that, um, the the specifics of that. But yeah, so drinking to me, you know, just don't do it. Just try not to go overboard. Uh, but I did catch up with Curb Your Enthusiasm. You did. I did. 
I thought it was a I thought it was like an A season, not A plus season. I think um, the season which there was uh, the Palestinian chicken episode, which is maybe the best episode of Curb ever, was an A plus season. I thought the Seinfeld season was A plus from from Curb. Yeah, but this is like right right there. I thought it was hilarious every episode. I thought it was a great. I thought it was a great a great season. The whole Spite Store thing is hilarious. The fact that it comes to it's because I've had that fantasy. I don't know about you, but like spite <laughs> does not is surprise what, me. Spite is what motivates me and drives me. Yes, um, but and yeah, no, no, no. It's you're very Larry David in that sense. The, the 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 fact that he goes to the lengths that he does, and the fact that it is the downfall of him as well, which is you know perfect curb because Curb and Seinfeld always kind of put a bow on the end. You always saw. Uh, things from the beginning happen at the end. Like there was always a, a, a nice little tie together at some point. Yeah. But Larry's not going to change. If there is a, another season of Curb, he will be unaffected by everything that happened. Oh, certainly. This, yeah, nothing, that was a drop in the bucket. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, it's just uh, the, the the fact that every decision that he made, like one th- that was one of the best lines. The um, the fireman at the end, like every decision that you made led to this point. <laughs> you know, like made this what it was. It was. It was I perfect. thought. I, I think my favorite episode was the one where John Hamm was like learning how to be Larry David. Yeah, that was pretty good. It's just the evolution of Hamm like mimicking David, and like it was subtle at first, and then all of a sudden at the end, like he's just sticking his face in the in the cold coffee. I'm like, right. <laughs> this is hilarious. It's pretty good. Yeah, that whole thing was was good, and you know I love the fact the the whole the rivalry between um, uh, Mocha Joe and Latte Mocha Larry Joe. was 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 awesome. So and the fact that. I liked how Ted Danson also kind of got involved with the other. I side thought of his storyline was going to come back at the end. Like Ted Danson was somehow going to get in on the downfall of Larry at the end because he, him, and I don't know. He probably couldn't couldn't just film for reasons. Maybe. Like, I, and also, it was it was it was played out because they, they had broken up at one point and then they were back and it's like, how do you really yeah. bring him back in at this point unless they're back? Like it's a, it was becoming a. Uh, uh, an exhausted storyline. Like, I don't think mm. anybody cared anymore because I didn't care about Cheryl as much anymore. Like I was, just, yeah, yeah. she I was, just sort of shows. I up was just, just, I was done with Cheryl. at some point. I'm like, all right, can you just leave Larry alone now, please? Like just get out of his life. In, in the final episode, when he asked the, the, um, the parents, the white parent, the white with the white mom, I was dying. Dad, that. What color, what shade he hopes the baby is. I, I stood up. I think during that, <laughs> I was like, only Larry David can get away with this. Yeah, and then also make it into a real conversation too. Like, well, the <laughs> I the, the other the other part of that uh, of that episode that I that was just I was laughing at, and it's so stupid. But it was when he was sitting on the Shays Lounge chair and like just kept going backwards and couldn't get comfortable. And what was, the hell is that thing? Is it a couch? Is it a chair? What is it? And he's, yeah. yeah, he's just you know someone's telling him something extremely important, and he just like can't sit just still. Doesn't care. Yeah, hilarious. Yeah, I love that. Like all those little dumb things are just so funny to me. Um, but it was you had good. the hot take at the beginning of this when we did the out of left field from the Happy New Year thing. Yeah, you had the hot take that Larry David has surpassed Jerry Seinfeld. Well, no, 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 that's not what it was. That was not what it was. That wasn't specifically what it was. I said that if we're looking at who the genius was, and mm. if we think okay, that yeah, yeah, it was it was that if Larry David, Jerry Seinfeld, absolutely. The only way he is where he is right now is because of Larry David. I think that's true. Because I don't think uh, Jerry Sanfeld on his own could do that. And we've, we are now seeing Larry David on his own can do that. Uh, I forget where I saw this. Larry David is a, is, a, is a mad scientist. 
Larry David, though, was never going to get the opportunity in the 90s without Jerry Seinfeld because Jerry Seinfeld was like the sane one that executives could talk to. That's possible, yeah. And now that Larry David had Seinfeld under his belt, HBO is just like, okay, you have free reign to do whatever you want with Kirby Enthusiasm. He doesn't get free reign without Seinfeld. Well, no. Without Jerry Seinfeld, the person being like, okay, this guy's a psychopath, but I'm going to make sure he gets something funny on TV. Because that's what Larry David was in the Okay, so here's the the, the part that that people are going to be like, you know, the controversial part. I think there probably could have been another person that wasn't Jerry Seinfeld that could have been Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah. So I don't think because there's plenty of people. I guess there's plenty of good comedians. But I don't know. Seinfeld had that same humor, step in step with with with. Um, it evolved into that same humor. Yes, they 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 were able to write together. No, and that's find that but that's clip. how they that's how they originally connected. Is they had the same sort of okay. like humor like back in the day. Uh, uh, you know, by no means am I saying that Jerry Seinfeld is a, is a flop. And no, he's, you're he's a you're hack. a Jerry you're a Jerry Seinfeld <laughs> hater. I just think that the marriage. If you can spin, I hate Ronald Torres. I'm going to spin that you hate the Jerry marriage Seinfeld. of the two of them definitely benefited Jerry Seinfeld way more because of the genius that Larry David is. Larry David is the genius there. Seinfeld played that character perfectly and was the, and was like the guy for that role and, and essentially played Larry David in the, in the role of Seinfeld. No, George was Larry David. I see. Maybe there were, I mean, Larry David has said, I know he has, I know he has, but there's also a lot of Jerry Seinfeld moments but I think that's less Jerry George Seinfeld is the more playing cynical, Larry David. George is the more cynical guy, but he also doesn't get the type of respect that Larry David does in Trevor Enthusiasm. It's a different type of thing. So maybe that's a, you know, as your years go on. Do you know on, what it is, I think? I think Curb Your Enthusiasm Larry David is a hybrid of George and Jerry and Seinfeld. Yeah, I could see. Yeah, because I think with, there's a, there definitely with a, is a billi- With a billion dollars. Sure. Yeah. I think that... Um, but yeah, like the the, uh, the Seinfeld Larry David tandem is like very Brady Belichick esque. I wanted to tie this back to so. Tom Brady well, leaving see, for the Buccaneers so. because the Buccaneers are Tom Brady's spite team. Yeah, but here's the thing: like you, you, we've now seen it already. Like Larry David went off on his own and did awesome. Yeah, but I mean, we're gonna see it on our own. Like Belichick's gonna coach the Patriots. But my point Brady's is that gonna... Jerry Seinfeld did comedians getting how many of those have you getting coffee in cars or some shit? I've seen almost all of them. And do you like them as much as you like Curb? Of course not, but that's not the same kind of show. It's not a scripted show. They're not that good. They're okay. Some of, there's moments. There's moments. Some of them are not good. Yeah, it's hit or miss. No, okay. Who has had the better post-Seinfeld TV show career? No question it's Larry David. Well, Seinfeld no can't question. do much. He's, the, he's Jerry Seinfeld. He's like, that's, he's he dumb. does stand-up. I've seen him stand-up twice. I don't think his stand-up's that good either. Uh, so... I've seen him at the Beacon Theater twice. The first time Leanne and I went, it was a it was like a birthday present, and I really enjoyed it. But it was classic like Seinfeld humor. You like it because he's Jerry Seinfeld. You like it because of nostalgia, also, and in the yes, back of no, your definitely. mind, you're ready to laugh. So yeah, thousand percent. Then two years later, I was like, oh my my parents would like this, so we got my parents tickets and we went with them. And then two years later, he did some of the same jokes. Yeah, and that's when I was like. Uh, but then I heard a comedian on uh, Joe Rogan's podcast talking about Seinfeld stand-up. Apparently, he has a theater act and a club act. And Jerry Seinfeld in a club to 25 people 
is way different than Jerry Seinfeld oh, I, in, in a theater. For sure. Yeah and, yeah. and he said the Jerry Seinfeld in a club is one of the funniest comedians I've ever seen. Okay, fine. And early in his career, he, when he was doing the whole New York circuit too, like that could have been more of like where Larry David was aligned and saw some of the older stuff too. And you look back at some of the things that he did, he was a lot more original. So I, I think there's a, there's definitely part of that with comics. Like it's hard for them to have a very long career, I think is, is definitely one of them. You look at what Chappelle did and how he peaked so, so well in the, what was it, early 2000s, late 90s. And, yeah. and then he got his own show and did the um, Killing Them Softly that when he came back, now, after this time away and did those Netflix specials. I watched the first one. I'm like, I'm like, eh. like I used to love Chappelle. Absolutely. I mean, it's killing him softly was what is one of my favorite. No, you can't, I mean, time. it's like, it's like you can't compare him to what he was. He was, it was, but it was, on, it, was it was also like a different the time. Funniest. Like, it was like the funniest. Uh, I'm trying to think of like a comparison. It's like, okay. Yeah. You're saying like Jordan on the wizards. Wasn't the same as Jordan with the bulls. Yeah. No shit. Well, I guess, but there's also also an evolution in, in culture and time and the way that you can do certain things and the way certain things land in a time frame when when you're saying them. Whereas then you could be way less PC. I mean, it was hilarious. Now, if you go, Did you see his most recent. If though, you, he if you buck the trend, it. I know you buck the trend. It's almost like because this is what I thought. I felt like he was bucking the trend way too forced. It was like pushing it for like trying to push it. Whereas before it was just like saying whatever the hell he wanted to say because he thought it was funny. Now he's just like yeah. pushing shit because he wants to push it. I don't know. Mm. And I'll, you know, we're all different too because we're in different places in our life. I was drinking a lot then. I was with my college buddies. Like it was hilarious. I tried to watch. It's still hilarious. I've seen it. I tried to watch like, Killing Him Softly with my family over. Uh, oh no, you can't watch it with your family. No, later, like, you know, we were all hanging out watching after, after like a, after Christmas, one of those days, you know, when I was home. It was later at night. We're all watching TV, like putting something on. I was like, well, let's watch Kill Them Softly. It was pissing me off when people were not laughing at certain moments because I'm sitting there like, like I'm, um, you know, I want to recite every line because I know every single line. Um, and I'm like, well, was this, was this just funnier then? Was it not? Because it was pissing me off. The room was not laughing as much. And I'm sitting here, <laughs> I'm like getting annoyed. I was getting annoyed that they were not laughing. And uh, I'm thinking back to like the moments when my buddies and I were all the, like, just like throw these lines at each other. And I'm like, well, maybe it was just funnier because we used it all the time too. And it was just then, I don't know. Yeah. Hey, I think there's an element to that. Yeah. Definitely. Um, the, uh, so much for a 45 minute show we were going to do. Do you have any thoughts on, um, Tom Brady renting Jeter's house? Yeah. I said this when it first happened. I think the whole thing is a plot for the Victoria's secret. Did we already, wait, did we already talk about this? I don't know if I talked about it with you. I know I talked about it with a Tampa kit, uh, uh, Kevin Weiss from Tampa. No, but he hadn't rented it at that point. No, he hadn't rented it. But he had gone down there, and I said at that time that this was whole this whole thing was a ploy by the wives to get back together, so they could have a, a reunion of Victoria's Secret, uh, you know, angels of legendary status. Maybe there's a pillow fight in the future that we're going to see. It's going to be live streamed on YouTube. I don't know. There's a lot of things that could happen, but I think that it was, if it's uh, for charity, maybe raise money raise money for the victims of coronavirus. There you go. So, but this this proves to our question: Jeter no longer lives in Tampa, right? Yeah, he's down. I'm surprised he didn't go back. I get he didn't he's in Miami. Ship. He's in Miami. He felt it was important to stay. We thought maybe he was taking like a helicopter down, but he's in Miami. Yeah. Well, maybe now because you have to really be in one place, it's, it's just easier for him too. So right. maybe he's like, Brady, you got like two months. Find your own goddamn place. Quit always riding my coattails. <laughs> All right. That's it for this episode. Um, 
again, reminder, guys, give us a rating and review. During these times, you know, we know people aren't commuting as much, so they're listening to podcasts less frequently. You're just at home. You, you know, there's Netflix. There's Tiger King to watch. There's a bunch of stuff going on, but we appreciate you guys. What? I was just going to say, we could talk about Tiger King. I, I, I don't think it's good. I, I, I didn't love it. No, no. I, t- I, don't, I haven't I don't even finished it. it. I honestly, I've talked about it with a bunch. Of, I don't. Feel I haven't like finished it, and I have no desire to finish it. No, crazy, crazy people. It's fine. Yeah, they're crazy. Um, crazy people. Yeah, there's a lot of those. I, um, my opinion is it would not be this uh, viral if it was not for. Yeah, quarantine. I think we talked about this last episode actually. Okay. Yeah. Well, every day is the same now. So, <laughs> uh, go back and check out the history episodes if you haven't done so already. Um, listen to the AL if you want like some baseball talk about other teams. All the AL East episodes are out. Those are all really good. We'll replug those when we do get baseball again. Who the hell knows? But any any final words? No, I hope everybody's just being safe and uh, and and taking precautions and doing everything and you know again just staying mentally sharp as sharp as you possibly can by uh, by being in isolation if that's what you are. Um, but yeah, just hope uh, everybody is taking care of themselves and get out of this thing soon ish. And hopefully DJ LeMahieu is still in. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.